0: the summer of 2004, I asked the question, we were in the sanctuary, and I asked you, the congregation, if First Baptist Church Pasadena closed her doors, would anyone in the community notice or care? It was another way of asking the question, are we relevant? Are we doing any good? Are we making any difference outside the doors of the church? And a number of you came up to me uh, in the coming weeks and months and said, you know, Pastor, I've really been thinking about that question, and I'm not sure we have a good answer. In other words, I'm not sure what if the doors closed, anybody would notice or care. What do you think today, 2008, would anybody notice or care? Some folks would, wouldn't they? Praise God. And thank you for standing up, Jill. Perfect." Stay standing up, because this wouldn't, wouldn't have happened without Jill, right? That's right. And I know we've already appreciated her and Artemisia and Pastor Eddie, but really that's the, the trio that have brought this about and blessed families here in Pasadena. And I'm just thrilled. I, I'm kind of like saying, let's give the benediction. I've already worshiped the Lord today, and uh, I, think, uh, I think we're doing well. How many of you have filled out this card? It's What color is this? Purple. Thank you. Lavender. How many of you have filled it out? Put it up here. Would you just pass it in? If you haven't filled it out, do so. Elwood, we're going to collect these now. So just pass it into the to the center aisle, okay? Just pass it on down, and the gentleman will come on up and collect these. This says you're going to be at lunch on May the 4th. We're providing a catered meal in the gym. We're going to have a great time. It's going to be a wonderful time of fellowship. You only have to bring yourself. You can bring a guest. Uh, but we're going to have lunch, but we need to know how many to make lunch for. So if you can be here on the 4th of May, just pass this card in. Elwood will collect these. Uh, appreciate that. Also, in your worship folder, you have an outline, and you may want to follow that along because, uh, like some of us in this room, the projector has gotten old and hot, and uh, it's just not going to go today. So be sure and have this outline today. I want to say thanks uh, personally to the church. Joyce and I have felt very supported, and if you don't know the news, my wife Joyce had a surgery on Wednesday evening at Kaiser Permanente Hospital in Panorama City. They discovered a cyst in her womb, and uh, so they've removed various parts along with the cyst. And uh, I didn't realize how stressed I was about this until the doctors walked out much earlier than we thought with a big smile on their face, and uh, I said, oh, thank God and said, you know, the cyst is removed, the lab has checked it out, it appears to be benign, and uh, that's good news. So thank you for praying. Amen. We've really really both uh, felt your love and appreciation and prayers and uh, care, and uh, thank you so much. And uh, I'm thrilled to be able to share that with you. In fact, as I speak, she's getting out of the hospital. Her so, somebody's taking care of her. I think she's standing on the corner with, with her <laughs> robe on saying, I need a ride home. Uh, probably not. Adam and Tracy are there and uh, they're taking care of her. So uh, she should be home this afternoon when I get home. We are in Faith in Action. This is our project for the month, Faith in Action, and we've heard a lot about that. Uh, I want to look back just a little bit. Faith in Action, as you know, is underway. And uh, where have we been? On the first Sunday, we talked about the Good Samaritan story, very familiar to all of us who read the Bible. And it's the story about the man who helped someone beside the road. And we talked about the fact that if we are going to put our faith in action, probably we'll end up on a detour. Our plans will be interrupted. Things we didn't expect will come up. And we talked about detour. You remember that just a couple of weeks ago? And I said, you can be sure of four things when you go on a detour. Probably you're going to be asked to risk. And if you want to fill in the blanks, it's not going to be on the screen. And I don't have a blackboard or a whiteboard. So uh, the first part of the detour is risk. We said when God puts us on a detour, probably there's going to be some risk involved. Secondly, it will involve personal involvement. The man who stopped to help, the man who was wounded or injured, he had to personally engage. He had to involve himself. And the last two things it's also going to involve, do you remember what they were? They're obvious. It always takes what? Money. And it takes your time. And so those are the four things. If uh, When we go on a detour, faith in action, it involves risk. Uh, Eddie and I are risking our jobs next week. We're not having church. The board may fire us on Monday. I don't know. But we're were running that risk. And uh, not only that, you're going to have to be personally involved in some way. I know some of us are not able to go out on a project, but you can Pray. And we're going to gather next Sunday evening, right here at 5 o'clock, to celebrate what God has done in our midst. Last week, we talked uh, with our faith in action. We talked about Jesus and the eyes of Jesus, and do we see like Jesus? And we talked about the reality that when we come to faith in Jesus, He's going to change the way we see. And we, we looked at the story of the blind man who was healed twice, so to speak. He looked out and saw people like trees. He didn't really value people. And... Jesus touched him again, and he changed this man's perception and paradigms. And if you and I are going to see the world like Jesus, we will be engaged in change throughout our lives. You never complete the process, this side of glory. And so God is always changing the way we see things, changing our worldview and changing our perspectives. So I hope you've been thinking this week about, what am I seeing, and how would Jesus see this? Now today, I want to... um, give you a bit of a quiz before we come directly at what we're going to talk about. And the quiz is this. Which country in the world, I've got eight questions here, which country in the world has the greatest population? China, 1.3 billion people and counting. Now, what is the world's tallest mountain? Mount Everest, over 29,000 feet. What is the world's tallest tree? It's a redwood tree. And uh, the tallest one I th- looked up on the Internet, at least according to the Internet, you know, it's always right, I'm sure, uh, 364 feet is the tallest tree. Supposedly, a, a, a redwood could actually grow to be over 400 feet tall. And then last question, who is the world's richest man? Bill Gates, Bill Gates that's right. And I don't know how many billions he's got, but it's a lot. Now, here are, here's the second half of our quiz. What is the country with the smallest population? This country's been in the news. The leader is in uh, Yankee Stadium today or somewhere. What's the Vatican? That's right. The Vatican actually is a country. There are 920 people in it. World's smallest country. Um, What is the world's smallest mountain? Supposedly, it's Mount Witchyproof in Australia. And it's 47 meters tall. And it actually shouldn't be listed as a mountain, but it was mistakenly listed as a mountain. It's only a hill. But anyhow, somewhere in... Somewhere in Australia, and um, what is the world 's shortest tree? bonsai is not listed actually it 's a dwarf willow, five centimeters, fully grown five centimeters, supposedly the world 's tallest uh, shortest tree, and then lastly, who is the world 's poorest man i don 't know how you 'd figure this, but if, yeah, if somebody raised their hand in the back somebody said jed matthews jed matthews owes 22.5 million dollars and he has no assets i figure he must be a smart guy if you can get that far in debt uh, apparently he invested in a lot of internet vent- internet ventures and they didn't turn out so he now owes 22.4 million dollars and you thought you had high credit card debt don't try and don't try and match that so how did you do on the quiz today Probably you were able to answer some of the questions in the first half and not in the second half. And that's because we tend to think about things that are bigger, not things that are smaller. The truth is we tend to like large, supersize me. The truth is we value the voluptuous. The truth is we think that if it's a giant thing, it's a grand thing. Bigger is better, right? Well, this morning I'd like to ask the question, is bigger always better? And I'd like you to think about that as we think about our faith in action. Uh, we sometimes think that if something is little, it must be lousy. If it's small, it has to be second, secondary. I was interested to read um, in the newspaper this week. In fact, it was in a variety of papers. But did you know that Edward, Lorenz, Edward N. Lorenz passed away this week? He was a former professor at MIT. He's a meteorologist. And the reason he was in the newspaper is because he uh, wrote a lot about the chaos theory. Now, don't think I know much about the chaos theory except in my own life, but um, I really didn't know about his theory until I read of his death in the paper. But some years ago, he was thinking back in the 60s, you know, with computers now, we can do mathematical calculations we could not do uh, before we had computers. And so he said, as we examine the weather of the world, we probably can, through mathematical calculations, we probably can predict the weather far in advance. And so he put some computer models together, and the story is that he uh, put these into his computers. This was back when computers had vacuum tubes and they were noisy. And so he put all his data in the computer to figure, and it was so loud that he had to leave the room, so he left the room to get a cup of coffee and come back when the computer was done. And when he got back and read the projections, he realized that something is dramatically wrong. This is this is just crazy. This is nonsense. This can't be true, even though the computer said it's true. So he then spent a lot of time trying to figure out what went wrong, and he realized that in his calculations, early on, he had made a mistake. And he actually put down .00 something, and there should have been more zeros or less. I don't remember the, the number. The, the mistake was only 1% of 1% value in the overall scheme of things. But as the computer ran this stuff out, it dramatically skewed the results. And he began to think about that, and he said, you know, we can't predict things like we thought we could. We thought with computers we could predict everything. And he ended up writing an article that's probably the most referenced article on the, uh, somebody said on the Internet, and the article was called this, cl- great title. Predictability. Does the flap of a butterfly's wings in Brazil set off a tornado in Texas? That got people's attention. Nobody was listening to him until this article. And finally, he wrote this article. His, some friends helped him craft the title, and people began to listen to his chaos theory. The result was, he said, we can never predict weather more than uh, three weeks in advance. Yeah, right. He can't even predict it three days in advance, can they? Well, that was that's the conclusion he came to. Anyhow, I got to thinking about that in relationship to what we're talking about today. Is bigger better? And the reality is, and what I want to talk to you about, how very small things can make huge differences. In fact, what I want to talk to you about is little is much when God is in it. You know that expression, don't you? Let's say it together. Little is much when God is in it. Now, I've got... um, more here in front of me than I think we have time to say. But if you have your outline, I want to start by talking, first of all, about um, an example we find in Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to go through this pretty quickly uh, to get to the next example. But you may remember the story of Abraham and Sarah. In Genesis chapter 12, God said, Abraham, look at the stars in the sky. And he looked up. And God said, I'm going to promise you something. Your descendants will be as many as those stars in the sky. And Abram thought, that's impossible because I don't even have any children. And you know the long story of Abraham and Sarah, but think about it with me. Uh, he finally had a son named Isaac, who had two sons named Esau and Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, and a nation was born. Out of those sons, A man, was, uh, one of those sons was named Judah. He had sons who had sons, etc., and a son was born named David. And David had children, and a son was born named who? Jesus, the very Son of God. Now, this childless couple who had one son became the father uh, of many sons and daughters, so numerous, you couldn't count them. They're like the sand in the sea and the stars in the sky. And two great faiths have come from that couple, Judaism and and Christianity. So something is little, but it was much when God was in it. In fact, in the book of Galatians, we read that... uh, Abraham is the father of our faith. Listen as I read from Galatians chapter 3, verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, so you see those who believe are the descendants of Abraham. Abraham is our father. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, declared the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the Gentiles shall be blessed in you. For this reason, those who believe are blessed with Abraham— who believed so one example, little is much when God is in it. now another ex- we could give lots of other examples. Uh, Deborah, for example, was a wonderful woman warrior who had a great victory. Gideon was a scared soldier, but God gave him a great victory. But I want to move on to David. little is much when God is in it. You may recall the story when God raised up King Saul. King Saul led in a great way for a while, and then he became corrupt, and God said, I need a new king. So God told his judge, Samuel, he said, I want you to go to Jesse's house, and I want you to anoint a new king. Now, Samuel was afraid. He said, I can't do that, God. Saul finds out. He'll kill me. God said, I'm not worried about that. Just do what I tell you. It's your life, not mine. Anyhow, they worked out a plan, so Samuel went there to Jesse's house, and told him what he was there for. And so, of course, Jesse brought out his oldest son, Eliab. And Samuel was just about ready to anoint him king when God somehow said, No, 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 not him. And then God said to Samuel, God says, Humans look on the outward appearance. We see how she looks, how he looks, and then we make decisions. But God said, Samuel, I don't, I don't work like that. I look on the heart. I look on the inside of a person. And Eliab doesn't have a king's heart, so don't anoint him. Now, it's a long story because there were seven sons. And each one came before uh, Samuel. And each one, God said, no, it's not that one. So finally, in desperation, you know, I think Samuel must have thought, God, you told me to come here and anoint somebody. And you keep telling me, no, what's up? So he turns to Jesse and says, any more sons? Well, yeah, there's sort of a son. There's the boy David out with a sheep. Well, get him. And, of course, they bring in little Rudy David, who might have been short and ugly. I don't know. And God says, that's the one. I see his heart. And we hear that David had a heart after God's own heart. And he was anointed king. Little is much when God is in it. Of course, King David was the greatest king of Israel and became uh, the leader for God. Now, if you have a Bible, I encourage you to turn to Luke chapter uh, 13. And I want to look at a couple of verses. Jesus is teaching here. And let me give you one other example that li- about little is much when God is in it. Jesus is talking about how does God's kingdom break forth. Now, if you were going to plan something, of course, you'd have a business plan. And then you'd get lots of supporters and try to raise lots of money so you could have as big a start as possible. That's our way. But it's not God's way. Listen to what Jesus says about the beginning of the kingdom of God. In Luke thirteen eighteen, he said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? Now, we would probably want to answer with some huge answer. We want to give a big answer. We want to be impressive. We want to have clout, power. But Jesus says, to what is the kingdom of God like? And to what should I compare it? It is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in the garden, and it grew up and became a tree, and the birds of the air made its nest in its branches. Now, I had an image I was going to put up. There was an image of a penny, and then beside that was a mustard seed. You could put lots of mustard seeds on a penny. It's not literally the smallest seed in the world, but in that day it was a way of saying, you know, like you say, somebody that's not very bright, you say they have a pea brain, you know, they're just not, they're, they're, their light's a little dim. Well, the, the mustard seed idea was just, it's small, it's tiny. But Jesus said the kingdom of God begins like a mustard seed. It's just tiny. It's no big deal. But it grows up and the birds are able to come. It produces. It has great impact. The kingdom of God is like that. Then he gave another example. He said, to what should I compare the kingdom of God? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed it with three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Now, we go to the store and buy yeast, but in that day you would uh, make bread out of the yeast you had. Some of you have uh, made bread with starter. You know, it's a little ball of yeast, a little ball of dough that has yeast in it, and you mix it into the larger loaf, and pretty soon that yeast permeates the whole loaf. The example Jesus gives, he's talking about more bread than any woman would have made in her house because it's probably enough bread to feed all of us. You wouldn't have been able to find an oven big enough to put it in. But the idea is, he said, you know, there's that little ball of yeast, just a small ball. And you work it into the dough, and pretty soon after time, it all has yeast in it. It's throughout the dough. And so it is with the kingdom of God. It starts small. And yet even by the book of Acts we read that the whole world was turned upside down by these 11 men, then 12, who went out to preach the good news of Jesus. So this morning I want to remind you, little is much when God is in it. Jesus used a few loaves to feed 5,000 people. Jesus talked about a woman giving a penny rather than talking about some big donation. Jesus said the first would be last. Jesus was born in a little barn in a stable. And yet he's changed the world. 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1 says, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. Think about the word ministry. Next Sunday morning, we're going to be out in ministry out doing various acts of kindness and love to try to help people. What are the first four letters of the word ministry? M-I-N-I. Many. Small. We're not going to turn the world upside down. We're going out to do some small acts, some ministries. But that's the very key of changing the world and bringing God's kingdom in. Ministry are just small acts. Now, are you ready for one final quiz? Anybody here can name the, the last five Heisman Trophy winners? I can't. Maybe you're not a football fan, but I doubt if anybody can, can remember them outside of a sportscaster. Now, these are famous young men who got out of college and went into pro football, but we don't remember. Anybody name the last five winners of Miss America? Not. Name ten people who have won the Nobel or Pulitzer Prize. You might do a little better with that one. Um, can, you name, can you name the Academy Award winners for the best actor or best actress in any particular year? 2002, for example. Now, all of these people are very accomplished in some way in their field. But they were headlines one day and forgotten the next. Now, at the end of the quiz. Can you name a counselor or doctor or some other person who has helped you in a special way? I can. I instantly think of folks. I think of Leela, who's a counselor that has helped Joyce and me so much, we just revere her. God has used her to help our marriage be better. Can you name a friend who helped you through a tough time? Probably we all can. Can you name someone who taught you something worthwhile, like how to read, or how to add, or how to multiply, or how to make your bed, or how to cook a meal? Can you think of someone who has made you feel special and appreciated in life? Now, I suspect in the last half of this quiz, we all got 100%. But was that some grand, great, big headline news thing that happened? No. It was a small act, a little deed, but little is much when God is in it. Little is much when we reach out to touch someone with a smile, a kind word, a helpful act. We were going to show you a video, but in that video, Mother Teresa is quoted, and she says this. We can do no great things, only small things done well. Little is much when God is in it. Probably you don't know the names of Paul and Elaine Lewis. I didn't. This past week, Kit Ripley, one of our American Baptist missionaries, she serves in Chiang Mai, Thailand, was with us here in staff meetings. She's been at Atherton speaking, and she's here in the States for a few weeks. Kit Ripley works in Chiang Mai, Thailand at the New Life Center, which was begun 20 years ago by Paul and Elaine Lewis. Kit was sharing with us that there are now over 100 girls who live there in this home. This is a ministry to tribal women in Thailand, women who have no citizenship, Women who, when this ministry was started, were uh, sexually exploited. They were caught up, sometimes kidnapped or tricked into being in these uh, brothels and so forth in Thailand and taken out of that sexual or labor exploitation and helped with education, with medical benefits, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Kit shared with us that last year as they celebrated their 20th 20th, uh, anniversary, she and some other women baptized 24 new believers into faith in Jesus Christ. Something small that was started, and yet over 20 years now, it's had the, uh, an enormous impact in the lives of hundreds of women in Thailand. Women who have been helped and healed and given their life back because someone started something small. Little is much when God is in it. In your outline, there are two last blanks, and you can probably fill in, figure out what we need to fill in. When when we think about giving, we give what we what. We give what we have. God's not asking you to do something you can't do. God's not asking you to give something you can't have. We give what we have and we begin where we are. That's that's all there is to it. It's really quite simple. So my question to you is, what is your little that can become much when God uses it? I encourage you to sign up for Faith in Action. If you can't come next week, be praying for us as we go out. And I'll see you next Sunday evening as we gather right back here for our grand celebration. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we thank you for Jill and Pastor Eddie and Artemisia and each woman. Each child, each family that's here today and represented, continue to touch their lives with your grace and your wisdom. Give them the strength to be great parents. Thank you that we could have some role in this ministry. Lord God, James taught us that faith without works is dead. We want our faith to live. We want to be the church. The Good Samaritan story teaches us detours will happen. We want our faith to count. We want to see like Jesus. We want to be the church. We believe little is much when you are in it. Lord, help us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Give us your presence and your power and your perception. For Jesus' sake. Amen.